just a bunch of witty banter. Hello, boys and girls. Thank you for gathering around the circle and sitting calmly. And prepare your ears for another episode of Witty Fucking Banter. Guess what episode number this is? 16. 16. We're in the house. Why we have so much energy? Because Hunter's back. Yeah. He's in the ATX. Just rolled in yesterday afternoon for good. And you know what that means? Weekly episodes. Weekly episodes. Weekly episodes. We're back on the banter. We're back on the schedule. Na, 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 na. It was like we were getting to the point where it was like three weeks per episode. So yeah. It was like a commodity by the time it came around. Like it got to the point where my tears were unequal in my laughter <laughs> from the show. So here we are. We're sitting in Hunter's house this time. Change of scenery. We're in Austin. It's almost four twenty. So get those joints ready, Turkers. And it's spring break, man. Yeah, we're uh, we're honestly just kind of like. I don't think we had any huge plans for spring break, but I think mm-hmm. we're definitely going to try and head up South by Southwest at one point. Yep, yep. Uh, I know Chase is extremely stoked. Why don't you tell him what you're stoked about tomorrow? Uh, midnight? Well, the exhibit you want to take me to. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Guys, listen to this. I don't know if you're a fan of the Game of Thrones television show or maybe you've read the books, but the Austin City Music Hall is hosting a Game of Thrones exhibit where you can go in there and view – the swords from the show and like the armor and the props. Mm-hmm. They have the Iron Throne there for you to sit on and take <laughs> a picture. See, that's what I'm excited about. Oh, dude, I was looking at some of the pictures of the swords. Yeah. Holy crap. That's just man. the swords themselves. Look just badass. This, yeah, because like apparently they like commissioned real world blacksmiths who are like the best in the world. Are there still like blacksmiths yeah, dude. doing their thing? There's like you can okay, so for Dark Souls 2, they commissioned a blacksmith to make like the suit of armor that the main guy on the box wears. And it's just like, oh my God, I gotta Blacksmiths nowadays are like, thank God for nerds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why I'm in school. I should just be a blacksmith. Yeah, that would be, be a so cool. But yeah, we're gonna go profession. to the exhibit and we're gonna check out all that stuff. We went to the gaming convention today. Yes, we did, yeah. Um, there was a free gaming convention. Today was the last day. I was a little underwhelmed. Yeah, I, I mean, was expecting a lot was, more. It was what it was. You know? Yeah. They I, had, I expected a lot more, like, crazy costumes. I saw some people that dressed up pretty crazy, but... Uh, yeah, we, we had, more, like, the... A male Harley Quinn, which was weird. It's like, why? Are you... I just saw a bunch of girls try and be anime versions of themselves, which, <laughs> yeah. is, which is interesting with the pink hair and blue hair. Yeah, and, right. You, know. um, you want to talk real quick about some of the stuff that we played or saw or anything? We yeah, played we Rise. We yeah. played Rise, Son of Rome for yeah. the Xbox One. We played Rise. I did a horrible job. Uh, <laughs> Chase stepped on and started slaying people. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, even for me, it was it's it was a pretty easy user interface. Like just you you started doing a lot of stuff that you you were like, oh, I'm just pressing buttons. But he starts like slaying people. Yeah, um, it, it was, was realistic. Was, mm-hmm. It was it was cool. I we only got it. to play it for like 20 minutes, but it was fun. Yeah, it looks really pretty. You got to do some fatalities and stuff. Yeah, I was hacking limbs off. That was cool. <laughs> we also saw a couple games that were using the Oculus Rift. We didn't get to put it on. And honestly, I wasn't too bummed about not putting it on either because they were all made for, like, kind of older games. Mm-hmm. And, like, I want to put that shit on with, like, the top of the line, blah, blah, blah. But they had the Oculus Rift there. 
they had like a bike simulator where you were throwing um, paper. Yeah. It was like you had the Oculus Rift on, you were riding a bike, and then a Connect would see when you were throwing things. Yeah. Like, that was I, cool. Yeah. Like we originally were like, oh, how do they even like know where the arms are? But yes, yeah, the Connect mm-hmm. on top of the Oculus Rift. So. So let's take it aside real fast. Okay. So, you vamp for me real quick. Yeah, I'm gonna vamp. So. Okay, not only we saw that though, but real quick, we just saw a tech demo where this company had, was using a Connect, where it would take your face and it would map, it would create a an animated version of yourself or like another face or like a cartoon figure. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and like any facial expression you made, it was in real time reflected on the face that was on the screen. Okay, so. That was done through the power of the connect, right? Right. We had a guy like explain us all how that works. So does that kind of justify – no, maybe not justify, but can you kind of see where Microsoft is going with including the connect with everything? It's, it's like something that it, – it, it's like a doorway for a lot more opportunity. Yeah. Me. Yeah. When they're that. forcing everyone to have it, so when a developer finally does use something cool with it, everyone It's like your access. parents giving you something that you're like, Mom, I don't want this! And they're like, trust me, <laughs> a few years from now, like the tools. Like my dad gave me tools every year for Christmas, and now everyone's like, dude, you're badass because you have tools. And I'm like, I thought that was gay when I got it, you know? <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, so we saw those Ocular, Oculus Rift games. I think the fun, the most fun we had playing a game was Nidhogg. Nidhogg. Do you want to tell them about Nidhogg? Yeah, so Nidhogg was essentially, it's like almost like a tug of war is how I kind of describe. Like That's a good explanation. Yeah, like you're trying to get all the way over to your side, and the uh-huh. other person's trying to get all the way over to his side, which is the opposite side. You, you both start out with like, you have like a yellow character and a brown character, right? And it's just a two-player game. All you need is two buttons. There's like an attack and a, super and a simple jump, right? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you like, it's like super pixelated characters. Like, they don't have faces or anything. Yeah, 8 bit art style. Yeah. And so, like, you, you essentially just try and, like, you have a sword and you try and, like, attack the guy across from you. But then, if you kill the guy across from you, then it's like, run to your side. So you start running to your side and then they spawn the person who died right in front of you. Yes, yeah, so you So fight you have, it. like, multiple battles trying to get over to each other's sides and, like, there's actually some tact that goes Yeah, into and what was so sure. charming about it, too, is, like, when you got stabbed, it would make, like, a... Like a yeah. Like, you kind of hear it go in. There's just, like, yellow and brown blood that's yeah. spl- splattered and everywhere. And if you didn't have a sword and you knocked them down and attacked them, you would, like, snap their neck. And, yeah. it, like, it looked surprisingly brutal yeah. for, like, 8-bit characters. <laughs> yeah. But, I thought he was, like, taking out his heart whenever yeah. he killed him on the ground. Yeah. It just – okay, I don't know if, Max, if you're listening to this, this is a perfect Max Scott game. Yes, this, it like, absolutely is. It's super simple, and you can tell that there's just inherent depth in it because we only played it for like a couple minutes, but we were already developing strategy. Right. And it, I, I could see us losing hours to it. Yeah. I can see us – yeah. I was saying to Chase when I first saw it, I was like, imagine just getting real drunk one night and playing this game and like – the amount of just laughs that you're going to get at the end of each round is going to be freaking hysterical. Yeah. We also saw uh, – we didn't get to play this, but there was a game called Broforce. Yeah, Broforce. Broforce. Uh-huh. They had like Rambro and Robrocop yeah. and like Mr. T and all these crazy You just had characters. these like crazy weapons. It was a like – it was it looked 16 like a Donkey bit. Kong, yeah. Yeah, and it was 2D playing platformer and you just like went – destroying people and at the end of the game kind of like how in mario you'd raise the flag Mm -hmm. well the flag that you raised was an american flag (laughs) and then you'd get on a helicopter and it would say area liberated (laughs) then you just fly off in the sunset so other than that that was kind of like all that 
Yeah. I really get to take away from that. I was hoping some more stuff would be there, but we, we were going to try small... and see if we could do – there's, like, this real-life version of Mario Kart, and we were going to see if we could do that, but the line was, like, a million people long. Yeah, so screw that. It seemed okay. And it was cold or yeah. whatever. All right, so every time we do a podcast, what do we also do? A review of a beer. We review beer. Here at Winnie Banner, we love to review stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll put a number on everything. Yes, sir. So uh, what beer do we have today, man? So today, or today, today, we have uh, a beer from Rogue Brewery. Yep. Uh, it is called. What is it even called? Hazelnut Brown okay, Nectar. Okay, I didn't know if that was like a an ex- explanation for it or what, but yeah. Yeah. A hazelnut Brown Nectar is the uh, beer we're trying. It is. Can you find alcohol by volume? The percentage. Yeah. Oh, uh, don't do this to me, Rogue. Damn it, Come on. man. I don't see anything. Okay, man. whatever. We got we got some other stats. We got uh, thirty three BTU, so yeah. it's not going to be very bitter. Yeah, uh, we got a little bit of an explanation where it says a nutty twist to a traditional European brown ale, dark brown in color with a hazelnut aroma, a rich nutty flavor, and a smooth malty finish. Which Chase wanted surprisingly to yeah. my to my concern, Chase wanted to get something with a little bit of malt. Which mm-hmm. like in his first episodes, he's like, I fucking hate malt. Yeah, I mean, here, <laughs> here's why. Let me explain real quick. Oh, I know yeah, everyone's freaking try. out. I'm always a flip flopper. Um, no, but when I brewed beer that one day with Chris, the first thing you start out with is called the mash, and it's where you take all the grains and the malt, and you basically put boiling water all over them, and it releases all the sugar, and that. What liquid that comes out of it? Mm-hmm. Um, like I tried it, and first of all, when when the when you're doing the mash, the smell that fills the room is amazing. It's yeah. like the most <laughs> incredible like oatmeal smell you've ever smelled. Right, and then it just tastes like that smell, but like plus sugar water. Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> and what was funny is like after I tried that at his house, I've tasted malty beers, and when it when it's really malty and sweet like that, it, it almost like instantly reminds me of. Of it's like I'm tasting the wart that yeah. I had, right? So that's why I'm trying to expand out and go yeah. with that. So okay, well we're down for trying new yeah. things. So Hunter just poured his tastes. up. Yeah, I, I poured mine up. Lately, I've just been having horrible pours well, you gotta, for some look, reason. Look, see how I'm doing it. You yeah, go I know. On the I know side. you got to do the, the side. I know. I just I just haven't thought to do it. Whatever. <laughs> just go uh, so again. I got a big header on mine, but um, so when I look at it, it looks like when I look at the bottom, it seems like kind of filtered, but then mm-hmm. at the top. I can't see through that at all, right? Yeah. So I'd say it's, it's like, like slightly filtered. filtered. Yeah. It's definitely not like you can't see all the way through it. Dude, but these you, mugs are dope. Yeah. I, I, I got it. We, we're trying out some new mugs. We're trying out a new uh, – Here Woody Banner, we're trying new mugs out. Yeah. We have a new bottle opener called the Weight. It's yeah, not the Tarvin. We, we forgot the Tarvin today. Cool. So I'm rocking my uh, opener, which is the Weight. It's almost like lead. It's awesome. <laughs> it looks nice though. Really – it's not oh, – like it's not super brown. Right. It's like a golden brown, I would say. Um, yeah, I can, I can smell the nuttiness in it. It smells uh, pretty good. Yeah, it smells pretty good. All right, go ahead and take your first swig. I'll go after you. What are you thinking? I like it. I can uh, definitely start getting a hint of the nuttiness. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't bite at all. In fact, I, I'd say there's very little like. It's not very complex. Yeah, it's not like a full-bodied feel. It's, it's uh, really simple. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't like – the alcohol doesn't jump out at you Mm-mm. in any way. Well, it's a, it's a little sweet too. Yeah, it's definitely sweet. Can, I think it's a little runny. It's not like – it's not real thick or anything. No. 
Yeah, it's pretty thin. I like it though. Do you? Um, <laughs> Is Jace not liking it? It's it's like almost too simple. I I can taste the grains in it, or like the oats. So yeah. let's let's give it time to open up, but right now it's just like okay, I can right dig now we're it. digging it. It's like a it's, it's like really, a simple head knot, but it is drinkable. Yeah, you know, it's a drinkable. <laughs> is it beer. sessionable? You know what? Well, judging <laughs> on the session that follows, we'll have to you know we'll have yeah. to see about that. Yeah, almost almost uh, how good the episode is is how sessionable the beer is. Yeah, so whenever you hear a bad episode, just blame it on just the beer. Just blame it on how bad the beer was. Exactly, you'll know that that beer is not very sessionable. All right, um, any more housekeeping? Okay, yeah. So I guess. We kind of said this as we were yelling like children, but now that you're back, we plan on doing the episodes weekly now. Mm-hmm. And, and, dude, honestly, with South by Southwest, we might be doing a couple this week. That, that's kind of what I was planning on. Yeah, doing. whether we do, like, formal witty banters or if we end up finally debuting some of the other sideshow ideas that we have, mm-hmm. um, it just depends. But Maybe a little bro jive or yeah, something. Yeah, we might bring in the bro jive. Because the bro jive right now is just, like, a, it's very, like, Again, yeah. I think you it's have anything bro goes. in it, but it's almost like an anything goes yeah. podcast idea that we're throwing out. Yeah. But yeah, in time. We'll we'll find out about that in time. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so we want to do weekly. Um I guess every, we've been posting every Friday. Um I really don't see a reason to change that unless you you want to keep doing them on Friday. Um I mean I, I think it'll be just kind of as it comes. Okay. I mean, like Friday was has been a good day for us to try and post it just cuz Thursday was our day off. Our day to do it. All yep. right. Well, that's, that that kind of seems to be the plan then. Let's do it. So you ready to dive into the news? I'm dive ready. All right, man. This is witty banter. All right. So do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh I'm ready to dive in for sure. I'm ready to go first. Let me go first. Go first. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even offer it up. But okay, do it. Okay. Let's do it. So check this out, all right? This is like this this kid over in the other side of the world is basically living my dream. Listen to this. <laughs> Red Bull hires a gamer turned pro racer for oh the GP3 God. series, all right? <laughs> so this kid over in Britain competed against 91,000 other contestants until I guess it was like racing it was like um hardcore racing yeah, simulators yeah like had hardware and stuff right yeah okay. and um it got whittled down to like 12 people and once it was 12 people they did like a week long driving test at Silverstone Raceway which no is at the F1 track in Britain way. right what they had to do um they would do like various tests with different cars um and compete with times they had to do um physical endurance tests and some some people dropped out. They couldn't even finish them, right? <laughs> Apparently, it was the pretty astronauts intense. That yeah. were going? Um, they had to go. They went to the Le Mans 24-hour raceway and did an endurance kart race, and he won that. And then finally, the last race was between like him and five other people, and they were all racing Nissan 370Z race cars, <laughs> and he won by like eight seconds. Jesus. So Red Bull has has hired him for a racing development program, and he's going to be racing the GP3 series um, this year. Like like real races, real race cars. Oh my god! Can you imagine that? Dude, I mean, like, you almost wonder if if. <laughs> We can start doing that with like a lot more things, right? Like use games to use introduce games, people to well, things. Yeah, at least like to filter, right? Like use the games as a way to filter out. Like if you don't have a knack for this inherently, yeah. right? But then you can like slowly work in more and more reality. That's a crazy idea. Because they man. have games that are um, made for car simulation, and mm-hmm. it's to the point where you know you and I wouldn't even have fun doing it, right? Yeah, and the graphics aren't <laughs> even that good. It's more about like the engine that yeah. runs them, and. 
people say all the time, if I had a real car, I could do this, and this is a like living yeah. proof, you know. I mean, because they do like test simulators and stuff, like for airplanes before yep. you ever fly. Every Formula One team has an F1 simulator where it's on hydraulics, and mm-hmm. you can it feels like you're in the car. I joked about astronauts, but like that's what they do too. Before exactly. they actually go up there, so yeah. it's like Jesus, man, like it's crazy. <laughs> but that's awesome. Props to that kid. <laughs> yeah, because you're living Chase's freaking exactly. wildest dream. <laughs> Uh, All right, next one. Next one, honey, bad. You want change? Okay, so my uh, first quick fire is for a Google deforestation app. Have you read anything about this? Deforestation app? All right, so listen to this. Google came up with uh, – they started working with like 40 partners, including the World Resources Institute and the United Nations Environment Program. Okay. And they created this like mapping tool using Google Earth, and it basically shows you like live – essentially live like streaming of uh deforestation that's happening across the earth so they're watching it right it's called like global forest watch and it can highlight areas of deforestation and forest fires and it gets updated like every month so this is huge for people um there are companies that are undergoing these like a lot bigger efforts to try and reduce their global footprint like walmart unilever nestle and uh Dude, you know it's crazy how big of a company nestle is right yeah, they, they, and they started have t- they started in Walmart too. I mean, Jesus! But they, just the other brands, like everything you drink is like Nestle. You don't know <laughs> essentially, it. Essentially, you know? yeah. It's insane. <laughs> anyway, but they've all like made these pl- these, these like outward public pledges to uh, obtain their raw materials without contributing to deforestation. Right. So they're like these big, you know, people that are definitely supporting this Google deforestation app. It's a, it, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's just another avenue that Google's showing that they're like helping run the world but they're running the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's plus like, um you know you talked about they're they're even using the united nations environmental branch or whatever mm-hmm. that kind of stuff can start to be like you can start to discredit nations who are trying to be international actors on moral almost moral grounds right uh, or violating norms where if google has a thing in a play and we say you, we, you, we're not going to let you. We're not going to take you seriously if we know that you're burning all this stuff down. And, right. and when it gets to, you have a company that's becoming like almost one of the judgmental, you know, authorities next to these governmental yeah, programs. Well, some of these you know? multinational corporations have GDPs that are higher than some of these countries that they're even meddling. Yeah, in, I agree. Know? Yeah, and so. Yeah, it's just really cool that that's another tool that they can use to just really keep an eye out on people. Yeah, I don't really know. I thought it was cool. I don't really know if they'd have any power to do anything about it. But you know? but if you give people the information, then there'll be a lot more uh, transparency for them to be able to act accordingly. If like people think that like if it's if it shows like all right, this company is basically deforesting this much of the world, and, it and everyone decides lose, being like, hey, this is bullshit. Yeah, it makes them lose credibility. Yeah, that people could boycott them. You know exactly. So yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So my my next one, really quick. So do you know who Kiefer Sutherland is? Kiefer? It's the guy that was on 24, right? Yeah, 24 okay, yeah. guy. He has a following. He's going to be the um, the guy who gives the voice to Solid Snake in the newest Metal Gear game. Okay. He's been working on it for like a year, right? Well, mm-hmm. he, they were interviewing him, and he kind of did like a slip where his PR team probably just like crapped their pants. <laughs> 
But he was talking about like working on the game, blah blah. He's like, yeah, you know, it's a much bigger game than like Mortal Kombat, which I've been working on. What? So apparently, Kiefer Sutherland is giving his voice to an unannounced Mortal Kombat game. Oh, he can't. Yeah. Oh, he's so probably yeah, his PR people. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, are you doing? dude. So we kind of <laughs> knew that. Nether Realms, their next game was probably going to be Mortal Kombat because they uh, did MK, the new Mortal Kombat reboot and they just did um, Injustice, and so they're probably going to take all that they learned and all that and do a Mortal Kombat. But it's like this is the first little tidbit of info. Thanks, Kiefer. Yeah, thanks, Kiefer. <laughs> I'm glad that you uh, did, <laughs> didn't know what you were allowed to say. A little slip up. I wonder. Uh, I mean, if you were, we want you to be Scorpion. You have three lines. <laughs> Get over here! <laughs> Take two. <laughs> that wasn't a uh, get over here enough for us. Exactly. We can you get a little more rasp in there. <laughs> get over here, hey, dude. Why don't they call you? Jeez. <laughs> All right, give me your next one. All right, so my uh, other quick fire one is this um, this story about la- the lasers used for internet speeds. So like. The laser that we currently use right now was was uh, invented by this game nam- or this this guy named Amnon Yariv. Okay. And it was made in like the 1970s, right? And so he he made this laser or whatever, and it's like it can carry approximately 10,000 times more bandwidth than microwaves. What? A, so, a laser? Yeah. Like light? Yeah. It's it's essentially like okay. So for the internet that we use today, like the the kind of laser that we've that we've been uh, using for the internet has been called like the backbone of the internet for so long because that's like the the sort of wavelength that we've been using to transmit information. We used to do microwaves back in like the sixties. What? And so they've been doing a lot of work lately to try and like make it more quote unquote spectrally pure, which okay. basically just means like make the Maybe amplitude. Ma- yeah, make the amplitude of the wavelengths that you're using like m- way smaller. Mm-hmm. So they're like introducing this thing where it's like a, a carbon filter where it like doesn't ref- it doesn't absorb any light. It like perfectly reflects light, and it essentially is supposed to be making uh, the the range of frequencies like 20 times narrower. Narrower. And so I think that, like, what they're saying essentially is that they're going to be able to send, um, you know, like, emails and just, like, all sorts of data across distances now at, like, a much higher and much more proficient rate. Uh, when See, they I had introduce... no idea that lasers even had to do anything with the Internet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially, like, that's what we – that's the – Is that what's mode... going through our Ethernet cables? Like, I don't understand. I, it's, it's, it's – like, I read the uh, – I read the actual science report when I was researching for this, and of course, I understood every single word of it. Duh! Right? You, know, you probably wrote them back and corrected a few <laughs> you know typos. What? There in was there. a couple of typos in here. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I can't say that I know like everything in and out of it. But essentially, they are just coming up with a new laser that's "quote unquote" more spectrally pure, mm-hmm. and it's going to allow us to transmit information and stuff way faster. See, that's great. I just feel like we're at the cusp of like being able to download just retarded amounts of information because Google right. Fiber's already here. Because <laughs> we need it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's what's so funny is all the cable companies who have monopolies on and all the internet 
And people are telling them to upgrade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the nipple rubbers. Oh, it's going to be like a week till we get there. You're going to have to wait. We, you, we need you to be open anytime from July to November, from <laughs> 6, 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Are you kidding me? Speaking of which, the South Park game came out. Yeah, the Sick of Truth. Everyone says it's hilarious. I want to really see. I, that, I was co- kind of hoping at the Game Expo that we might that run into that, that or something. But Dude, I've, I've heard it's it's like just playing an episode. You're it's right. like a 16-hour Long that you get to be a part of because you're the new kid. Yeah. That's so awesome. Oh, my God. That's going to be so good. <laughs> anyway, I forgot what I was saying. So I'll go ahead and move on to my last one. I don't think this one's going to run as long as we would hope, but it's just an interesting thing. So the Xbox One is getting its first price cut, but it's only getting it in the U.K. Oh, okay. All right. So the Xbox One is set to get a price cut in the U.K. to complete with, compete with PlayStation 4 sales. It is dropping from 429 pounds to 399 pounds. And it's going to be bundled with a copy of Titanfall. Oh, the Xbox One Titanfall bundle? Yeah. And I read I th- something about that. I think the way it sounds to me is maybe the only way you can even buy an Xbox One over there is with a bundled game anyway. Oh. So it's like four twenty nine pounds in a game, and right now it's gonna drop from three ninety nine pounds to a game. Dang. Okay. Um yeah, and like right now the Xbox is being outsold two to one by PlayStation Four. Just overall. Overall. Jeez. PlayStation Four just launched in Japan, uh, like a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I think it sold maybe like six hundred thousand units its first weekend or whatever it was. But they're at six million total. And Xbox One's at three, yeah, around there, dude. Blowing so out of water, yeah, oh, they're totally. winning far and away. Mm-hmm. And that's what you know. I think that was what I was trying to speculate whenever we were talking about like the initial sales because there was only one in like a couple of countries and the one that was in many countries. Right, Xbox One had taken many countries at the start, right. And Japan and Sony had only taken like a few countries, and they were like even. Yeah. And I was like, no, I think that they're definitely going to be winning <laughs> after and, this. And what's funny is even with that approach, they're still like having stock issues. Really? Like, they're still running out of that <laughs> that gaming device, man. And it's I think the biggest reason is the price difference. Really? You know, a hundred dollars more. And it's and for, it's, for it's a, and it's negligible or it's arguably like even, you know. Yeah, and, and for a. Um, uh, like the Connect is a piece of equipment that's not really being used, utilized right. well. Not and, to its fullest yet. And it's also gotten to the point where this kind of has become organically like a a little point of caveat where all these games, because um, developers have to partition a good portion of the of the processor to run the Connect, mm-hmm. they're not being able to output the games at the same like frame rates and clarity as playstation 4 like most playstation 4 games are running at 1080p 60 frames a second or 1080p 30 frames a second and xbox is always like 960p or 840p why why because the technology they're having to partition so much stuff for all the multitasking and all that stuff damn it and it's almost like the opposite of what happened at the beginning of the last generation where the playstation 3 was a much better system uh hardware wise but the place but the xbox looked better and it was because the playstation was so hard to develop for because it was like this weird operating system right now it's kind of like the opposite where the hardware is just about even Mm -hmm. but there's so many more hoops for these games developers to go through that through microsoft yeah and so it they very well might catch up it might get to a point where it's even again right in a couple years may even get to a point where they maximize it and go above but we'll mm-hmm. just have to see but 
at first when it when it first came out, I was like, who cares, right? I mm. mean, you can't even tell the difference, honestly. But now since it's like every game after every game after every game, people who are going on the internet, maybe researching just a little bit, are going to see stuff like that. And right. I kind of wonder if if it would have been in Microsoft better move, or if it, if it would have been a better move for Microsoft again, retrospective twenty twenty, mm-hmm. but for them not to have bundled the Connect immediately. Maybe to whenever they, like, you know, maybe, like, whenever they first started selling the Xbox One, they didn't bundle it immediately, and they could have had a lower price drop so they could be competitive in the price area. Yeah. But then, like, after everyone started getting their X1s, if anybody wanted to buy an additional one, say, after, like, a year or so, then it would have to be bundled because then it would be, like, much more integrated with your with your system. Because right now it just seems like it's not really being used to the fullest. Absolutely you know? not. Or what if they waited till like, one game or a couple games used it? That were, like, really that were awesome crazy, games. and they bundled the Kinect with the game. Yeah. There How you cool go. would that be? That's what know? I'm saying is, like, because they kind of put themselves in this thing where they're, like, feeding people something they don't want to be fed yeah and they can't and then the people aren't seeing the benefits of it yet so they're like you know i i really appreciate that they're kind of sticking to their vision so hard right um that's kind of cool it really shows that they believe in it and hopefully Mm -hmm. it'll it'll be for good reason yeah but you kind of hope that they have like a better sense than we do about yeah exactly almost like um it's just interesting too just how i just i want to see what the games are going to be like in the next year or so because I used to think I, I only play games, maybe one game for six months or so, and I kind of thought I was like, well, I'll just kind of play indie games in between there. But I've kind of realized like I don't really like most of the indie games I play. Like yeah. a lot of the stuff we saw today were like kind of pretty point, simple. They're like point and click um, narrative adventures, which that's kind of cool that those are making a comeback, but they don't interest me. They, they're not. Yeah, they don't require a whole lot of brain activity. Yeah, they and kind of just go through it. And so know. I've realized now that my like obviously my favorite games are like huge RPGs that I can sink a lot of time in, right? Or something that's competitive, right? And I like competitive stuff. Yeah, too. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see how what ends up with them because money is money, and and you can't really argue with the price point. <laughs> Cool, man. All right, so yeah, that's that was the last of mine. So that was yours? That's well, all three from me. Kind of going off of the money is money idea. Bah, boom. So uh, my conversation piece that I'm bringing to the table is about Bitcoins. Oh, I've heard about have, these. Have, so you have heard about these? Tell me what you know just kind of up front. <sighs> it's like magic internet money. Like I don't, <laughs> Essentially. I, like, mean, I don't really know um, what it is exactly. Okay. I just... In fact, the the leader of Bitcoin didn't ask me anything on Reddit, and it got so it was so complex and like so legit that I couldn't even like gather information yeah. from it. But it it just seems like an internet currency that is backed by nothing, but kind of like a huge fad kind of creeped up, and a right. bunch of people tried to get it, which made it actually yeah. worth something. Yeah. So essentially, the idea behind Bitcoins is like, okay, when you look at a dollar bill, what gives this thing value? And the uh, and the thing that really gives something value is what people are willing to exchange yeah. for it, right? Trust, essentially. yeah, essentially. So they kind of took that idea and they 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 provided this way for people to have a decentralized currency that was virtual, where um, value was inherently arose from people willing to exchange stuff for it. And so uh, I did a lot of research on it, and I still don't really have my head, like, entirely grasped around all, like, the ins and outs as far as, like, the security stuff that goes into it. Yeah, because there was people on the internet talking to this guy about, like, what it would take to get banks to, like, 
backup loans for him. It was legit, right? Man. Yeah, there's a lot of different like stuff floating around as far as like the possibilities because it's really like a disruptive technology kind of. As um, in, like the current system doesn't know how to uh, handle but it. Disruptive technology is something that comes in whenever like a certain technology, such as currency, like plateaus and like everyone, it doesn't really it stops you know becoming new and like having upgradable things. And like a disruptive technology would be like the iPhone. Yeah, you know, it like blows everything out of the water and everyone's like, what? You know, it's like, like a new platform. Yeah, almost. Yeah. So um, basically, the news item that I'm bringing to the table regarding bitcoins. Now that we have a little bit of understanding of kind of what it is, I mean, I can go into it a little bit more, but there was this um, news item is about this this exchange for Bitcoins. It's called like Mt. Gox or MT Gox, and it has like some reason why. It's like an acronym for something. But essentially, this was almost like the New York stock exchange for Bitcoins for a while. They were just like doing a bunch of transactions through them. Like so people would come and be like, I will trade you this for Yeah, and they were also holding a lot of Bitcoins for people so that they would like, I guess, invest them in something else or something. And um, real, real money, basically. basically. Yeah, basically what went down is like Mt. Gox was, by people that were in the industry and actually knew a lot about it, they were like, this company is going down. Like, this company is not very well run. The security, the security and safety features that this company is are performing is just not. Up are you to talking like monetary security, like their policies? As or? far as like their ability to encrypt and secure oh, the transactions and stuff, and, and, and yeah, keep your stuff safe, right? Okay. And so people that like were in the know knew that this was like kind of a falling out company just because it was being run so poorly. Like the CEO was essentially just like a programmer, and he like. Thought that it would be cool to be a CEO, but he didn't really, like, actually have any passion or know-how mm-hmm. on how to do it. And so, like, two weeks ago, there was a overnight hijacking. And so 850,000 Bitcoins got stolen from the marketplace. And that's, a, that's roughly, like, 6 or 7% of all of the Bitcoins in existence. <laughs> oh, man. $500 million out the door. Well, how? Because each Bitcoin was like over $1,000. A single Bitcoin. Right. And listen to this, right? At the beginning of 2013, Bitcoin started out at like $13 a Bitcoin. To a certain point, they got to over $1,200 per Bitcoin. So there were people that were putting out like $5,000 or 5,000% profit just from investing their Bitcoins. That is so crazy. Right. Yeah. And, and and what happens is is you're like, whoa, well, how do they get any of the stuff if there's like if if there's not like a worldwide exchange that like everyone can buy stuff with their bitcoins, how do they see any of that profit? It's like, well, there are people that'll buy, give you money for your bitcoins. Yeah, that's exactly. It's just so, an exchange. So you could a demand for so it. So if you say you bought like $500 worth of $13 bitcoins and then now they're like $1200 bitcoins, then you just made a killing. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of what I was like you know, but they got hijacked and like seven hundred and fifty thousand coins of other people's coins, and then a hundred thousand of Mount Gox's own coins. That's five hundred so million. So Mount Gox essentially acting as like a bank where you could um, save, like you could yeah store your bitcoins. It was almost like a financial institution for bitcoins okay. in, in a way, but it was like it, it had to be a lot more software developed and like programmers and so stuff. So maybe it was you will take my. Bitcoins, but only because I'm buying things from you, or you right. said there's I think, an exchange. I think that it, yeah, it's also kind of like what people use to try and exchange. It, it was almost like a middle market for for transactions. Yeah, like it's like if I want to find somebody 
to give me – say I want to buy a guitar with my bitcoins. I would like go to Mt. Gox and be like, hey, can you find somebody that wants a guitar for my bitcoins? And so they would like put a trader and a seller together. That's nuts. Yeah. So I really wonder now how these got started. Mm-hmm. I also want to know how who controls how many bitcoins are in the marketplace. There is this guy named like something Nakamoto. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember his name. I don't want to butcher it. Uh, but it was created in like 2009, I think. That's so. And then he just like disappeared. <laughs> oh man. He just like like no one knows who his real identity is or anything. This is a spy movie. In yeah, the that's what I'm saying. It's like this is some in- some pretty compelling shit in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, so like he just like disappeared and then. Um, yeah, like Mt. Gox kind of like became the the main exchange for bitcoins. As close um, as we're gonna get to one. Right? Yeah, and so so a lot of people are like really on the fence as far as what they're thinking about it, right? Because yeah, it's they're not like regulated, right? It's not centralized in any way, right? And so people. And when you f- say that, you mean like involved with the government? There's no government regulation. There's yeah. no sort of like way that it can be like actually exchange there's no like exchange rates for bitcoins it's kind of just like the value derives directly from what people are willing to exchange for it and so it's gotten to the point where um people are really on the fence because some say some people who like really know a lot about it are like this is actually a much more secure way than even like money that we're using right now one because you don't have like a physical – there's not like some way that somebody can just physically take your bitcoins, right? Yeah. Like it's like a – it's a virtual wallet, and you have like this – But arguably dollars are mostly virtual now too, like 90% yeah. of Right, that. it's like credit. Yeah. But, but even credit, like they say that there's a lot more um, – there's a lot more upside to using bitcoins even over credit because like the the charges that you rack up on your credit card are like, I don't know, like 3 four percent or something and mm-hmm. the ones on bitcoins if you want to say if i wanted to send you a bitcoin you're in china i could send you a bitcoin for like six cents you know and it's like roughly zero transactional fee for like sending you a bunch of money via bitcoin yeah so people find like there's all these like and, and you know like everyone has their own little like private s- security like password thing and uh-huh. these passwords are like ridiculous the way they described it is the number of passwords that they can do is like if you take every grain of sand on the earth and then each of those grains of sand is an earth with with grains of sand that's how many passwords you have <laughs> it's like retarded i know it's like whenever my dad would work for like aim investments or whatever he had a keychain and every 10 minutes a new number would pop up and that was the password to get into whatever it was at that point right and the thing that's really compelling is like Whenever you do a transaction, say I want to buy – again, like if I want to buy a Bitcoin or a guitar with Bitcoins, I'll like put a transaction in the computer. And basically what it does is it just like routes all these transactions and it. It basically like sees throughout the entire network of every computer that uses Bitcoins in the entire world. <laughs> it like checks those ledgers, and if it adds up, then it's like, okay, and it goes through. But then if like one of the – if one of the computers is like, no, that doesn't add up with our ledger or something – then essentially it like sends it back and like basically you you use the entire computing power of the entire world for these transactions so that like whenever you have a hijacking that happened for Mt. Gox you had somebody that like basically beat the world you know <laughs> like in 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 like the times that it took because there's all these like different security transactions and stuff so a lot of people think it's a lot safer but then other people argue like oh well if you put your Money in an exchange like Mt. Gox, where you're like you don't even really know the inner workings of it, but then it's just like a vanished overnight. Right. You know. So I, I guess 
what I really want to propose is like how open would you be willing to maybe put some of your money in something like Bitcoins where it's like maybe I'll put it in. It's, if it's $1,000 today, it might be you know $10,000 Bitcoin. It just sounds so volatile. It does. You know, It sounds super volatile. And what's funny is like, you know, I almost get excited in the fact that it's not playing by any of the rules that are currently set up by the institutions around today. That's why governments are freaking out. They should be. But at the same time, that is a huge opportunity for something new and different and great because we've been, we've been running on the same principles of exchange for like two, three hundred years now. Right. And we haven't come up with anything better, but like this might be an alternative solution. Exactly. And so, but that scares the shit out of me. Right. You yeah. Because we're going to be in the middle of that shit and it, like trying to figure it out. Exactly. So there's probably going to be a lot of people hung out to dry. Sure. Boom. You know, and that can, and that can happen on either side of the fence too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess my only question would be like, if one wanted to purchase Bitcoins, would you have to go to Mount Gox and say, I have this much money. Who wants to trade me this much money for Bitcoins? No, this is how it works. Like you go to like, I think it's just like Bitcoin.com or something. Yeah. And they give you like a virtual wallet and it's like, I think it's like free to sign up or something. And you essentially just like go on there and if you want Bitcoins, you just be like, all right, well, I'm going to like input this amount of money. And I want you to give me however many Bitcoins that is, right? So if I put in like $1,000, that might only be good for like one Bitcoin. That's right ridiculous. But the thing is, is that like Bitcoins can be split up into like milli-Bitcoins. Okay, well you that makes I mean? sense So like then. you can have like a one one millionth of a Bitcoin and that'll end up being like, you know, like a 30 cent transaction. That's incredible. Yeah. That's so, really cool. So yeah, I mean – uh, so is that the only way that currency is added to the system is if you have to buy into it and when you buy into it, more Bitcoins are created? It's called like mining, I think, is, uh-huh. like, is like they mine more coins. But the thing is is that there's a hard limit that's set uh, for 21 million Bitcoins. There will never be more than 21 million Bitcoins. <laughs> that is crazy. So that's why they, – and they control inflation with that's that, like, right? I was about to say, well, that's a gold standard essentially. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. And so like they have a Which, hard dude, limit. Because I hate fiat currency. Right, you yeah. Know? Like that's awful. I mean – when we set up the World Bank and the World Trade Organization in 1945 with the Bretton Woods you know, uh, meetings and all that, mm-hmm. when we set up those fixed exchange rates, it was backed by – it was our dollar was the, the currency. The World Reserve currency. And backed by gold. Right. And the second we blew the hatches off of that on the 70s, it's just like we – fixed exchange rate is nothing now. Yeah. It's, it causes it's, huge problems. Yeah, and also I mean like you know, the, the, the dollar has been the world's reserve currency for like – However long now, and like the dollar is starting to go out the window. Oh, like, people I are know. just starting not to trust the dollar. The treasury bills that are like one of the most, arguably the most secure investment that you can make are starting to become almost like BS for investors. Right. They're starting to be like, oh, well, I don't even know if like clearly U.S. isn't going to be able to pay off their debts and stuff. So why would I take a treasury bill right now? Like, exactly. I just don't think. And it's not only happen. that, um, there's other. Other countries are circumventing the dollar now. Yeah, you know they're just like, doing yeah their own thing. What China and Russia got made it a way to where they can trade monetarily without going through the dollar and stuff like that. That's exactly right. Yeah, I read yeah. about that too. And um, I don't know. That's scary. That's scary. So that's, that's scary why stuff. I mean, you know, while you know there's all this thing going about how you know it seems volatile for bitcoins, it also seems like it's a way for people to be able to like. Like imagine if you're in Africa and like your currency isn't worth shit or something. You're like – or like some super eastern European country. You could just like get into bitcoins and sell your and sell your products for bitcoins and it's like a legitimate way for you to be able to do it because instead of like 
most a lot of people don't have bank accounts, but like a lot, like they've shown that a lot of people have like phones, like smartphones nowadays, yeah. and that's all you need. Like your your smartphone is your account essentially. God, can you imagine like how shaken up the world order would be? If people started going around these ridiculous systems that have been in place for so long, because mm-hmm. like as I don't want to sound like a, a cynical conspiracy theorist, but dude, the corruption in the world just from the people who run these things and how like if you want to bet when the shit hits the fan, how hard these people will fight to make to keep the system the way it is because right. of where they're at. Mm-hmm. It's just that's oh, interesting and and like know. the way that some people put it is like okay so. This whole Mount Gox thing happened, and and the approximate price of a Bitcoin, whenever it happened, was like seven fifty. Yeah. Mount Gox took out like six to seven percent of the entire amount of Bitcoins that are just gone now. So when you say gone, you say they disappeared. Essentially, like or were they moved? Because you say that there's like a twenty-one million. They were hijacked, and like I guess like there's no trace of them now. Of where they went. Right. So they essentially they let's say the guy just did it to where he. Disperse them into new accounts, but we can't we can't yeah. trace that. That's yeah, there's yeah, there's no way of really knowing. So, but that made the Bitcoin that made the Bitcoin drop from about seven fifty to five hundred, right? So it's still five hundred dollars per Bitcoin. That is outrageous. But to then me. and then somebody, that's more than like Apple's stock, right? Yeah, you know. And so like, and that's almost what I'm thinking of. It's it's almost like a stock. It, it's what it sounds. And like. so, um, but then some people like compare that to you know this centralized uh currency that we use like fiat currency and they'll be like you know after the u.s government had its like massive bailout through the banking industry or whatever that just happened like all stock exchanges uh across the entire globe had a global losses of over 16 trillion dollars you know what i'm saying so it's like who who's really more stabilized you know there there's a lot of to and fro with how people are kind of viewing even the currency that we have today that we thought was, like, you know, infallible, people are just starting to be like, oh, well, maybe that's not as legit as we thought. And we should do. like, what, a 200% inflation rate from when the dollar was incepted? You know? I don't know about our inflation rate right now, but I'm sure it's high. I mean, the reserve, the reserve just keeps printing out money. And that's like that, they're solving – that's what they're trying to solve it with. I mean – I forgot what I'd read, too. It was, like, the combined debt of the world is $40 trillion dollars. So the world is forty trillion dollars in debt, and then I was like, "Who is to the itself, world in yeah. debt to?" To itself, and if it's to itself, does that debt even mean anything? Yeah, and, a and, lot when, of people... and when we finally get to the point where we realize that it doesn't, and that we can just sort of like erase that, that's like a reset button. <laughs> yeah, and that is, that's the shit. It's, yeah, that's you know? not. Yeah, that's not good. <sighs> but yeah, I guess I guess that'll kind of kind of wrap up mine. I'm considering because I just made some money in my. Uh, in my job, why I'm not? like considering maybe trying to check out a Bitcoin. You know, can go from thirteen, thirteen dollars to twelve hundred dollars within the course of a year. Yeah, why not, why not try and check it out? Especially if seventy six percent, seventy six percent of people in the United States don't even know what it is yet. Exactly. So if they start like job, if you pop on the bandwagon now, like before it gets huge, like you still might make a killing. So here, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you to do it, and here's why. When I was <laughs> okay. like, when I was uh, a junior in high school. Um, I told my dad, I was like, we need to buy gold like now. Yeah. I we told need, my dad that We too. need to buy gold. <laughs> and like four years later, gold had gone up like 30%. I was like, I told you, man, <laughs> if we would have bought some gold, we would have made money. Just go with it, man. Go with your instincts. I'm, I'm considering it. I'm not going to put like all of everything that I've earned yeah. in there, but I'm thinking about maybe putting make like, it part of your portfolio. Yeah. Make know? it, make it like a, a little bit of a diverse, diversified asset. Yeah. You know? I like that, man. Fuck. That's cool. 
uh, I, I really appreciate that you brought that to the table because I had heard of Bitcoins, and I feel like I have a really good, solid understanding of what they are. Yeah, and, we, um, we don't necessarily know all of the background as far as how they work. Yeah. But you can be you can be trusted – or you can trust that if, if you don't deal with exchanges like Mt. Gox at all, then you're essentially like 100% fine. Yeah. Like if you just keep it in your wallet and you don't like exchange it that way, then like apparently there's so like let me ask almost this. zero way for people. If to there's twenty one million dollars worth of bitcoins, twenty one so million bitcoins, twenty one million bitcoins, and so many people own own them. Mm-hmm. Does so does Bitcoin own the bitcoins that haven't been bought yet? No, they just haven't mined them. See that just haven't created me. them, and they can only. So there, maybe there hasn't even been 21 million created yet. No, yeah, there's about 8 million right now. Okay, so they're not going to go past 21 million. Yeah, 21 is just their hard limit that they set. And after 21, then you're going to have to go to other people and say, I want to buy your Bitcoin. Yeah, or like I'll, I'll buy like a milla Bitcoin or a, a kilo okay. Bitcoin or something. You know? Dude, let's do it. <laughs> Seriously. I'm considering it, man. I really when I go am. to work this summer, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy some. That sounds awesome. <laughs> or buy like a half of one. I mean, it's, yeah, they're well, pretty expensive, so yeah. Okay. Um, well, that was our new segment, Beto Papo. And let's go ahead and do a halftime report on this beer. That's what I was hoping for. So I just want to say that the aroma of this beer is incredible. It, it smells like – It smells yeah. like that malty grain. Mm-hmm. It smells like breakfast, yeah, right? Yeah, I could definitely pick up all the nuts and yeah, all like that I stuff. could sit here and smell this beer for days. I give the smell of this beer a 10 out of fucking 10. Okay. But like the taste isn't doing it for me. I think it's mellowed out a little bit. Uh-huh. When we first were drinking it, I honestly almost just tasted the alcohol. Really? Like, not that it was overly alcoholic, but there wasn't anything to go up against it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I get sweetness. Like, I think it's a very sweet beer. It doesn't have, like, a – it sort of hits you with a little bit of nut in the four flavor, but yeah. there's not much I, – I, want, I wanted that sweetness to come through in the taste, and where it does come through is the aftertaste, but the problem is – there's not much of a lingering aftertaste, in my opinion. Yeah, it kind of trails it off. It finishes clean pretty quick. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's not an overly like you said. It's not like a real. It, I guess the way I would try and put the words on it is, it seems like they're trying to be a really complex beer, but it doesn't come through. Yeah. The complexity kind of just like. It sifts off. It dissipates as you drink it. And it says know? hazelnut, and I don't really taste hazelnut. Really? You know, because, like, hazelnut has a very distinct flavor. Right, and yeah. I'm not particularly picking that up. Um, we still – I mean, I, I can definitely – it's easy to drink still. Yeah, it's a drinkable beer, and the smell. Oh, my God, it smells so good. No, I've, like – Yeah, just like a candle. see me. I've been in – I'm literally just sitting here with it up to my nose, just like, oh, my God. Using that honker. Bathe this on. Bathe with it. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're going to move now into our two segments for the day, our two segments for the episode that we're going to do. So what do we have lined up? What's the first one we're going to do? This is a new one. We haven't done before. Yeah, okay. So I think that the one that we're going to try is uh, Dopey Definitions. Dopey Definitions. You guys use, like, big words. Dopey definitions, okay? <laughs> and so the idea behind dopey definitions is essentially I went around the internet and looked for really funny words and or definitions. And uh, so I'm going to like put my English commentator voice on and Chase is going to try to guess what the definition of these goofy words are. <laughs> oh, God. And so uh, we got five lined up. Uh, I have them in alphabetical order, but here is dopey definitions. Lay it on me. 
So, word number one that we're bringing to the table. <laughs> Argle bargle. <laughs> Argle bargle? Argle bargle. Spell that for me. A-R-G-L-E hyphen B-A-R-G-L-E. Argle bargle. I'm going to say this is like some sort of dispute. Okay. Oh, okay. Like two people bumped into each other with a basket of apples, <laughs> and they're both... Like, one's a Fuji, and one's a pink lady, so they're, like, real close to looks, and they're like, no, that's my apple, dude. Like, no, that's my apple. You know, you're a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you give me, and, well, let me just try, like, no, I'm not going to let you eat my apple. And then the guys, they look at the camera, like, we're in a really big argle bargle right now. <laughs> that's actually really uh, but up team. It's yeah? Pretty, it's pretty close. All right, what's called, the, the only uh, definition they had for it was a loud row or quarrel. A quarrel. Yeah. All right. There you go. I'll try, I'll give me a point. So there. one for one for Chase. Okay, let's see. Hold on. You, you said there's five, right? Yes. Every time I don't get close to one, a okay. point goes to you. Okay, cool. And so we'll I, see who wins. We're one to zero. Okay. <laughs> the next word <laughs> is crapulence. <laughs> crapulence? Yes. Okay, crapulence <laughs> is when you're on an airplane. Okay. All right. And you're you're on you're sitting on the, the pooper, all right? <laughs> And then there's huge, there's ridiculous turbulence, like gas masks are coming down, okay. and the poop is just flying up everywhere. <laughs> and you're like, God, dude, last, my last flight, I hit the worst patch of crapulence. Oh, okay, so a turbulence <laughs> with crap. Yeah. Okay, well, it was close. Uh, <laughs> it's really with pee. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the actual definition for this is discomfort from eating or drinking too much. Uh, so uh, I'm not gonna give that's that's a point to you. Okay, so when, Discom uh, is that a noun? Uh, uh, crapulence. Is a noun. <laughs> so I'm sitting in some crapulence right now. So I had some huge crapulence yeah. the other night. <laughs> like whenever we went to Benihana's that one time, I got the unlimited oh. thing, and we we like literally waddled out. Hunter and weighed himself out. before and after <laughs> yeah. seven pounds no, no, of food. No, no, no. no. I, I remember the number. It wasn't seven. No, no, no. That's oh, outrageous. I've been telling people seven died. for years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went and I weighed, and I was one fifty nine before okay. I went there. And I didn't go to the bathroom or anything. Like, I made sure that this was a legit weighing scenario. Made yeah. all the same clothes. Um, I was 159 before. I was 163 after. <laughs> so I consumed four. four pounds of food. Oh, dude, I'll never forget that. Night. Yeah. So we were waiting in some crapulence. <laughs> all right. So one to one. one. All right. The next one. Flippity gibbet. Flippity gibbet. Flippity gibbet. Flippity gibbet. <laughs> This is one word. This is one word, no Ivans. Fliberty gibbet. <laughs> okay, so a fliberty gibbet is where, like, say you're trying to move something or put something together or screw something in, and there is another item blocking your path. Okay. Right? It's some sort of obstacle where... It's like a whatchamacallit almost? Yeah, well, it's just like, God, you know, I could, if, I could, if that fliberty gibbet wasn't there or... <laughs> I was so close, and this little flippity gibbet just got in my way. <laughs> so it's just an abstract thing yeah, for something. it's for an obstacle. Okay, I mean, kind of. Uh, not really. <sighs> I think this point goes to me. So this one's essentially nonsense or balderdash. So balderdash. Like, so when somebody's like, oh, yeah, I think the Astros are going to be going all the way this year. You're like, what a bunch of flippity gibbets. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's like a fucking folk saying right yeah. there. <laughs> Bergen, flipperty, give it, give it. All right, so two one me. All right, I'm gonna win this game. The next one. This is my last chance. I have to get this. One. Yeah, gastromancy. Okay, gastromancy. Yes, gastronomy is the study of food. 
So gastromancy like has to be food oriented. Yes. Maybe like a food quality or think about think about the second half of the word. And study of. So like well, mincy isn't necessary. Ology is usually the study of. You're right. Or ology. Okay. So, so think about maybe pyromancy, what? the use of maybe the use of food. Yes. I'm gonna go with the like. Em- employing food in some way. What regard. are you using it for? That's kind of what it is all about, I guess. Gastronomancy. It's gastromancy. Gast- gastromancy. Yeah. That's really fucking cool. Gastromancy. That's what I'm gonna like. That should be a uh, like a trait in like a fake RPG. <laughs> Level up my gastromancy. This would be an interesting trait yeah. <laughs> to use. You uh, give up? Your, your skill at you at cooking? You were pretty close. I'll give you the point just so that we can be even going in at the yeah. end. Yeah, because dude, I got the food. You like, got the food. Okay, so it's telling fortunes from the rumbling of the stomach. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can just see some like Bedouin gypsy in a tent who is just like, "Come here, my boy. <laughs> eat had some pig. Eat this sausage." <laughs> It is the sausage of truth, and it'll give me the grumbles that I must listen to. <laughs> this like, grumble says you like to be jizzed in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, have you been kissing men recently? <laughs> How did you know? Yeah. All right. All right, so 2-2 two, or two, tie going into the end. Tiebreaker. All right, <laughs> this one might be my favorite one to say. Slang wanger. <laughs> oh, my God. Slang wanger. This is a noun. It's S L A N G W H A N G E R. Oh, it's got the H. So slang slang wanger maybe. Slang wanger. Slang wa- uh, slang who? Um, slang wanger. All right. I'll, I'll give you like a hint. Bill O'Reilly is a slang wanger. Yes. A man who now it's just like, what do you think about Bill O'Reilly? Let's <laughs> <laughs> say a slang wanger. Is a tough-nosed, stubborn guy who's going to go up there and just speak his mind and really piss people off. Yeah, yeah, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> very much. All right. The uh, the definition they give is a loud, abusive speaker or obnoxious writer, often a politician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, All right, man. Pretty much nailed it. So I'm the chalk that up one to zero as far as the wins go okay, on dopey go. definitions. All right, dopey definitions. Chase has got me uh, by the balls right now. I like it. <laughs> Shit. I'll, I should have. We should do a. I uh, wish I had a game lined up for next time. I got a game for you next time. Yeah, we can. We can do. just do a game. Uh, we can just do a game every episode now and then. Episode. We can. We can uh, try and keep up with the tally mark. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm down. And maybe it's not like who's winning in each game, but who's winning total in the Overall, games. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and at the end of every season, we got to do like a bet yeah. or we'll something. Like, yeah, we like nominate somebody to do something. We'll put a video up about it. All okay, right. yeah, I'm down. Okay, so our next and final segment um, is going to be a segment called Top 3. My number three is definitely Goku's hair. I think my number two has got to be Hyper Beam. My number one is without a doubt Witty Banter. Yes, and right. Chase has been all about lists of threes. Yeah. So I think well, here at Woody Banner, we like the list of threes. Okay? <laughs> list of threes and numbers to put on yeah, things. Yeah, we distill lists and we create reviews. Okay. All right, so Hunter, I want you to give me your top three battles, like fight scenes. Fight scenes okay? that I've like seen from movies and stuff? Movies, animes. Games. Because you know that I saw. Real life. You know that I saw the, uh, the It Man. 
on YouTube finally. I did it. It probably blew your mind. <laughs> it was pretty wild. It was so pretty brutal. There's a lot of fight scenes out there. Right. I came up with the segment, so I know mine. So okay. I'm gonna give you mine while you yeah, think of yours. You give me a little heads up. My top three fight scenes of all time. Right. Okay. Number three, I'm going to do the Ip Man scene. Okay. Ip That's Man, your number three. Ip Man fights ten black belts. Okay. Right. I don't think you're gonna guess my number one. Okay. Number two, in the first Matrix. When Neo fights um, Agent Smith for the first time. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say Morpheus. Okay. That's a good one. It's a pretty good it's one. It's a good fight scene. Yeah. But I liked the Agent Smith one the most because I like when he like kills him, but he comes back. Yeah. And everything. Okay. It's dope, right? Okay. My number one fight scene ever uh-huh. is the first time Goku and Vegeta fight. Oh, I it, forgot about Dragon Ball Z. Oh, and shit. it comes down to the Gallic Gun versus the, the Kamehameha. Kamehameha. And he does the Kaoken times three, uh-huh. and then like while they're beam clashing, he goes, he does like he's gonna do it again. He goes, <laughs> it's like Kaoken, and King Kai is like Goku, no, don't goes, do it. Then he goes times four, and it's just like yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that one was pretty rad. So that's my number one. That man. was pretty rad. I'm glad that you brought up anime and stuff. Yeah, I kinda see, that's what I'm trying to say. It didn't have to all be movies, you know. Okay, and even something you saw in person. Okay, I didn't see any rowdy fights in person, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, okay, I like those three. Those are good ones. Good threes. For, for sure. Um, so I think my number three is going to be Yu Yu Hakusho. Okay. Uh, it's whenever uh, whenever Yusuke fights Toguru in the dark tournament finale. I mean, it's pretty rowdy. Is it the last dark tournament of the, of the whole series, or I think there are other dark tournaments, but I think this is like the main dark tournament saga. Like this is like where you see all of the people. That what go was like into the, the defining moment from from this fight? From that fight scene. Yeah, it's when Tagoru goes like a hundred percent capacity for the first time ever, and like you've never seen him do that before. <laughs> He'd always be like, "All right, I'll give you forty percent." And you're like, oh my god, he's gigantic at forty percent. So you couldn't even imagine when he was gonna be at a thousand or a hundred percent. So yeah, and then he finally like won or whatever, and it was just like a lot of things came together at the end. So I like that one. Um, I think my second one, I think I'm gonna go with the Dragon Ball Z one for my okay. finale as well. Um, I think my second favorite um, fight was probably Lord of the Rings, Ooh. where they go and and the two towers at uh, Helm's, Helm's Deep. Deep. Like the beginning, maybe? Just the whole battle. Yeah. I mean, I just think just, <laughs> just, just, just every essence of it, you know? I mean, I mean, the, the rowdiest part, in my opinion, is whenever, like, they're watching them come up, and it's and it's dark, and it's raining out, and they're just, like, watching them come up in droves, and there's, yeah. like, they're all carrying lights and shit. And then, like, the orcs go into this just rowdy rant, and they're all, like, it's almost like an African the just, raging, like, raging dude, rant, yeah. you know? So that was like what I thought was maybe one of the coolest uh, Plus, fights I've ever seen. The way seen. that scene ends with Gandalf coming over the oh, ridge, yeah. people don't realize that you know on that ridge was like a seventy degree, like <laughs> yeah, like straight downhill. And he's like going full speed on his horse, <laughs> like it's nothing, and he's. And he like his he holds his staff up. What's the, funny is I think that a that Gandalf could probably run a, a mile faster than I could. Oh, do. Gandalf could pretty much He's do rally, anything dude. better than I could. <laughs> So yeah, I think uh, Helm's Deep was probably my number two, and I think my number one, I was going to say possibly like Vegeta, wherever he sacrificed himself at the end of Majin Buu. Yeah, but I, I didn't think, like a lot. I of the think Buu I'm fights. going with just uh, Gohan uh, Junior versus Cell. Really? 
I really liked that fight. Yeah? yeah? Uh-huh. Like, the very end with the I just one love arm. the, yeah, the one Kamehameha arm, and, like, the dad comes in at the end, uh-huh. and it's just, like, completely vanquishes him. Like, Gohan, while he's giving that Kamehameha at the very end, and he's, like, walking forward, he just looks super freaking rowdy. Dude. Yeah. So, I just thought it was cool, because it was, like, a kid triumphing over... You know, and that's like what all kids that watch Dragon Ball Z are like, that's me! You know, like, Cell, I'm going to be that guy. Cell was one of my favorite characters just because the way he talked. Yeah, he had a very nice, cool voice. But the, my favorite part was the way he spoke to Gohan because he always called him boy. Yeah. Whatever, boy. Like, yeah. he was so, like, he just didn't, you were so beneath him. Yeah, he like, was just like, there's no way this kid's going to kill yeah, me. Yeah, it was so cool. And he honor- gave Goku so much respect, too, though. Seriously. An honorable mention for Dragon Ball Z fights is Majin Vegeta versus Goku. Oh, yeah, That's dude. one of the rowdiest fights, man. That is real rowdy because it's like so much – there's like so much resentment that Vegeta has built up in his mind up to that point. Yeah. He's had to like suppress it for seven years. And then he just years. accepts his hate. Yeah, and he's like, well, I'm going to let evil be a part of me again. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Or even when he turned Majin for the first time and he was fighting Pui Pui. Yeah, and Pui Pui was one of – no, that was before he turned Majin. But it was in this little chamber, right? Right. But he turns was... Majin in that chamber just later. Yeah, later but on. But he fights Pui Pui and he puts his hand on his head yeah. and just eviscerates yeah. him. <laughs> he puts his, yeah, he puts his hand lightly on his chest and then – That's oh, right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Oh, it was so cool. <laughs> okay, so that leads us – those were our two uh, segments this time. Yeah, I hope you liked them. So let's go ahead and turn to Nick's Mail Corner. Nick's Mail Corner. We have we have two emails today. The first one is from a Melissa, and she has a few questions for us. She says, "Feel free to answer all or one of these." First of all, she wants to know uh, if we're going to South by Southwest. Uh, if so, is there anyone that we're excited to see? If not, who we just suggest to go check out? So we kind of already touched on that. We kind of want to go do like the free stuff for South by because yeah, we don't, we, we don't have any like we don't have wristbands or anything. Um, I know, like, Earl Sweatshirt is playing at, like, the Red Bull house and stuff, but... I don't even know who that is. Earl Sweatshirt? He was a part of... Oh, my God. I can't remember the... You know Tyler, the creator? Odd Future. Okay. He's a part of Odd Future. I don't even know who that is, really. Odd Future was, <laughs> like, Tyler, the creator, his little, like, rap group. Okay. And then Earl Sweatshirt was a part of it and is arguably the best one out of it. He's oh, got some okay. really cool stuff. Cool. Um, so, I know he'll be down there. I don't know what, like, any of the official... Um, like announced artists are though for this next weekend or anything. Yeah, we need to do a little bit more research before mm-hmm. we can really uh, give out suggestions. Well, I can't for really tell to you who to go out. see, but what I can tell you to do is just get downtown and um, just go to like the Pandora House or the Spotify House. Uh, there's so much going on that, yeah. and even if you don't have a wristband, there's been like I'm a, I know one year. Jack White just set up in a parking lot. Right. And yeah. Played like just go down there. Something great's gonna gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, when I, w- I was listening to South by Southwest last year on the radio, uh, while we were coming back from our spring break, like there would just be random like celebrity uh, level status, like people walking around and just doing random stuff in random shops. Like mm-hmm. it was, it had You'll nothing to do with tickets. Or... Yeah, like I heard Snoop Dogg doing a radio at a radio conversation at Verts. Which is just like no sh- way. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a shoe store right next to our house. Awesome. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what South by Southwest is al- is almost known for now. Is just like being able to bring big name people to small places, and yeah. almost for free. Um, have Have you watched the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon? I've watched uh, some clips of it. Yeah, she wants to know if we're disappointed or impressed with his Tonight Show. So I think that, I haven't seen it. I yet. think that what we can do is what we can take from that. I think she asks on the email, "Do you think Jimmy Fallon is funny?" And I think that that can kind of be what we 
to talk yes. about. Yeah. Because well, this is an up in the air subject for a lot of people. He's like sushi, dude. <laughs> people literally, people are literally are either like, I love Jimmy Fallon, or they're like, I, there's no way, raw fish, no way. You know, yeah. like they just won't even try it. <laughs> He's like sushi. So, um, well, let me go first. Okay, go. Yeah. There's like SNL Jimmy Fallon. Yes. And SNL Jimmy Fallon is this break face Fallon. All right. Which I mean, I don't think it's that much different now. I think he's still kind of the same guy. As he he's was a on goofball, SNL. yeah, right. But when it was an SNL, I didn't mind when he broke face because if anything, when other people laugh, it makes me laugh. Right. Yeah. When it was a skit that I didn't really find particularly funny, and he was laughing, then I was mm-hmm. like, dude, shut up. But yeah. if it was like Will Ferrell going out there <laughs> doing something absurd and he's laughing in the back, yeah. awesome. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. I feel like. I feel like what he is is he's kind of like a medium for people to recognize funny. You know, like I don't think that he necessarily does anything. Like I think that he's put himself in some funny roles over. That's a over really good some, way to put it. Uh, some of his Tonight Show he's stuff. A fun conduit. So he doesn't necessarily like provide the funniness. He catalyzes. But the he funniness. like he recognizes it and like he can't control the fact that he thinks it's funny. And so like <laughs> if you find some similar, you know viewpoint from him is like this is hysterical and he's laughing on national television (laughs) it's way easier for you to like get into laughing with it you know i don't know he just yeah so i'm a a fan of jimmy fallon i am too i I don't really watch his stuff a lot but i like him i sent him a tweet not too long ago being like hey man you're making me laugh up here in texas you know keep it up (laughs) yeah come be on our show Uh, okay. Her, her last her last question is: If I bring a beer from my hometown, Atlanta, to Austin, will we review it? Duh. Yeah, I mean anything anything that people are willing to like, definitely recommend. Like we. Definitely I'll tell you this: Witty Banner does not compromise its opinions for friends. Though, if your beer tastes like crap, we're gonna tell you it tastes like crap. We're gonna give it a a crap. If rating. it gives us crapulence. <laughs> we're gonna let you know. If our gastromancy says we're not gonna enjoy this in the future, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was uh, hers, and then finally, we've got um, we got an email from Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the I saw segment that. title. Okay, cool. He says, "Hey, Wiener Winkers, <laughs> it's been a hot minute since I've emailed. Sorry about that. My headphones shit the bed, and I've pretty much been disconnected disconnected with the podcast world. Oh no. Anyways, I'm digging the show even more now. Congrats with the sound. Seems like you found your niche. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, we, Nick. We love you. Can't wait to kiss your face." <laughs> He's serious. But guess what? The Caps Lock King is back. And this is all Caps Lock. <laughs> of course. Frank. And this week, the question is quite simple. What was the best album to come out in 2013 in your opinions? As always, get mulched, meat munchers. <laughs> um, Where do they come up with this? I don't know, dude. P.S. Fuck you, Max, for trying to get up in my email corner. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite albums. Of, of last year, two immediately come to mind. All right, there was Alt J and Awesome Wave, which that, that came... was 2013. Are you sure? Let's let's find out. Because if that's one, then that's definitely probably going to be my top one. Let me let me look it up real fast. And then, but there was also White Denim's Corsicana Lemonade. Oh no, it came out 2012, so we can't say that. Mm. So we got White Denim, Corsicana Lemonade. I'm trying to think what else. There was also, I don't know if this came out 2013. There's a band called Tame Impala. Oh, yeah. People like them. And I started listening to them recently. But I'd have to, I'd have to put, um, that came out 2010. Yeah. Shit, can you think of anything else? So Awesome Wave wasn't 2013? No, it was 2012. Damn. <laughs> well, honestly, I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't, yeah, I haven't been doing that much exploring for new albums. Adams for really. Peace's new album was this year. 
Amok? Amok came out this year. Okay. Well, that was good. I mean, that was essentially just a bunch of Tom York songs redone with uh, with Adams for Peace. Did you ever so, see I mean, any I, of the music videos for those? Did, I didn't know they had music videos. Injuin or Injine. I don't know what the song name is, hmm. but it's something like that. No, it's a I'm, really cool, funny music video. I'm sure, yeah. If you have Flea and Tom York coming up with a music video, it's probably Yeah, it was tight. Um I feel bad, man. We can't really even uh, give I know. an answer well, to this. Well, the one. thing is, is like I didn't listen to a lot of albums from this year, but I listened to a lot of new artists. Yeah. So I'll give you two things. I'll give you my favorite artist that I discovered in 2013 and my favorite album. Okay. I'm going to give my favorite album to White Denim, of course, the kind of Lemonade. Okay. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, like, do it's awesome. Okay. Um, the guitar, the bass lines are super groovy, almost funky in a way. Mm-hmm. The guitar is super complex, where he takes almost like a honky tonk feel and puts it over like really intricate jazz chords and does like really intense strum patterns. Jeez. And I don't mean just like finger picking. I mean like watching him play blew my mind. All right, <laughs> you got a drummer who's insane and they're doing um, time signature changes, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, really, just kind of fun, easy lyrics, but a voice that in a way will remind you of maybe a uh, if you were to mix. Who does Jessica? Almond Brothers with, with like a, like almost like a psychedelic indie feel. Okay. And uh, that's kind of how that album feels. All right. It's really good. Cool. And then I discovered a band called Witchcraft last year. Yeah, you yeah. showed me some of their stuff, and I thought it, I thought the name of it sounded so weird, but so then, goofy. But right? Yeah, but then like the music itself was good. Yeah, I've um, I actually went back to that album just last night, and <laughs> dude, every song is great. The album's called The Alchemist. The album art is incredible. It's really cool. Not mm-hmm. incredible because it's like intricate or anything, but just so I don't know. It really invokes like it stirs me pretty pretty good. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you that. So the only thing I can say is because I hadn't heard of an awesome wave in 2012, I discovered Alt J in 2013. So that's like my favorite new artist that's been out. Yeah. By the way, I have a little news uh, thing that goes with that. They, uh, for some reason, it wasn't announced. Uh, I heard on Sirius Satellite, they said that uh, the bassist for Alt-J, like, left the band in January, really? and they're not, like, replacing him. They're just going to be a three-piece now. They're, like, going and continuing their tour, and they're not getting, like, a, a replacement bassist. They're just going to be, like, a three-piece now. Are they just going to play bass tracks? I don't know. I don't That's know weird. what they're going to do. So it I kind of bummed me out, you know, when the, I read that. The, but... the way, like, the chemistry of that band on stage kind of, like, honestly put me off of them a little bit. Really? The, the guy who you would think is the lead singer when you listen to it, who has, like, that real interesting voice, uh-huh. isn't the front man. The other guy who does, like, the harmony and yeah, stuff is? Yeah, he's the guy that's talking the most. Huh. And his personality is, like, kind of – it's all right. He's, like, seemed nice enough, but, like, he wasn't really doing it for me. Yeah. The other guy just seemed, like, kind of weird and disconnected from the crowd. Like, <laughs> you would expect him to be talking, and he really wouldn't say anything, or, like, he was just acting weird, and then he would start singing. Right. And they just had a very weird vibe about them. That sucks. Really weird energy. But I really love the, the album, though. It's that incredible. album is I listen awesome. to it a thousand times. Yeah. Nick doesn't like it. <laughs> really? Yeah, he really he, – he doesn't like the dude's voice is what I, it sounded like. Oh, my God. I, I like Which it. Which is like it's the just, biggest pull for me. Yeah, I mean he really gives me a different edge of, of what you know good singing is. You know? Right. It's, it's not like it's not like in any way like a classic voice. You know, it's yeah. not. It's not like you're like, oh my god, this guy's got chops. <laughs> it's but but I mean, he he hits all his notes. It's just and it's something like I've never heard before. Enthralling. It's so unique. Yeah, it sounds like cultural. And it, he doesn't 
He's not stuck in falsetto all the time. Right, yeah. No. He, like, gets down in this He, he sometimes. does some really cool stuff. Yeah. But that's all we that's got. That's about all I can contribute for the for the new music. I didn't really do a whole lot of uh, band searching. I know that there is a dude who Buddy Brown just introduced me to. It's called mm-hmm. Canon Blue, and it's, like, one guy. And he's essentially doing exactly what I want to do, but he's doing it, like, really well. He's just, like, doing all his stuff by himself, and he, like, doesn't do half of his... He has to, like, computerize a lot of the instruments that he uses, but it sounds awesome. So I'm going to check that guy out, too. What's it sound like? Uh, I think that he has, like, a lot of, like... He uses, like, um, computerized strings, and he'll play, like, some piano and stuff. He's a really, he's a pretty solid voice. Um, but it's kind of, like, alt... Alternative, but it, it doesn't... It's not, like, poppy very much like you can tell mm-hmm. that there's a lot of work and interest intricacy that goes into it but it's still kind of easy listening a little bit so i'll have to show it to you it, it, there's some alternative feels to it but i don't want to call it alternative because yeah. that seems too simple yeah. simplified for it all right cool uh before we go i just want to tell say this on the show because i know nick will get a kid out of kick out of it i was reading a lars ulrich ask me anything uh from metallica on reddit uh-huh. and someone asked him what his favorite contemporary metal bands are <laughs> and he said uh the baroness which is one of I'm, I know Nick has listened to them a lot and they're really? pretty intense and uh, I think I think Nick would get a kick out of that. Okay. But cool. um, anyway, so that's all the mail we have. Thank you guys for emailing in. You can email us at wittybantershow at gmail dot com. Thanks again for I mean two emails that blows our mind. Yeah, seriously. Melissa, thank you, Melissa. You're, you're awesome. And if you listen to the show, just take five seconds to ask us anything you want. We love to get mail. We want you to be a part of the show. We want this segment to be more than one or two questions if possible. Exactly. So um, keep. thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for writing us in. Before we put a final score on this beer, we're going to go ahead and plug all our crap right now. Okay. Witty Banter finally has a Twitter handle. Mm -hmm. We just introduced it. We already have like 115 followers, which is so awesome. Yeah, we're stoked. So you can get follow us um, at Witty Banter Show, mm-hmm. and I am on Twitter. I am at Bodacious Chase Hunter. Your I'm handle at Diesel Dorset. Diesel Dorset. You can like our Facebook page. It is um, Witty Banter Podcast. Facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. I'm not really sure. If you type in Witty Banter, you'll probably. Find I think it. it's podcast. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. We also have our own new website now yeah. that he, that Chase constructed. I've moved all of the old Bodacious Chase stuff to wittybantershow.com. So that's where the show is going to post, and you can download it if you don't have iTunes. If you do have iTunes, get the podcast app, subscribe to our podcast. Every time we post an episode, it will download for you automatically. For free. The yeah. subscription's free. It's the know. easiest way to, to, to consume the banter. <laughs> and, and to be, you know, a supporter of your fr- friends and buddies on your the show. Your friends and buddies, because if you listen, you're our friend. Exactly. We love you. Exactly. Uh, did we miss anything? That's everything? Um, before we oh, give... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we give uh, a final number on this brew, I just really want to say that we... We already know what beer we're going to do next time. This is something we want to continue. Like This is like a new element of the show. So that you guys can feel like you're interacting with the show a little bit, even more so. Uh, we already decided what our next brew is going to be. So uh, the you next can, beer that we're – You can go get it and drink yeah. it with us essentially. Get it, drink it with us. When we're reviewing it, taste it, see if you f- uh, feel the same about it. You can even email us about it if you feel different about yeah, it. Yeah, defend it or yeah. knock it, whatever you want to do. Yeah, so this is just a w- another way for you to be able to interact with us. But the new beer that we're going to try next week is called 
Timber Ale, and it's by Wicked Beaver Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. We'll try to get a picture of it and put it on our um, Twitter feed so you can get a look at the label. We're actually gonna we're gonna send a, a Twitter picture of this rogue beer that we're giving a review of, and we'll probably like maybe put out what we uh, what we thought about it. Yeah, or at least post the link to the show with mm-hmm. it. So final final thoughts on this beer. Okay, so it's finally up. Opened up all the way. It's going to be a little bit warmer now that yeah. we've been talking for an hour. And we've almost, you know, gone through the whole thing here. So, yeah, it, it just seems like almost the warmer it gets, the more you get kind of these just, like, back-end just spices. And, and you know, it, it just seems like they just took, like, a normal beer and just kind of, like, put some stuff in it almost. Right. That's what I, that's what I feel, yeah, yeah. feel like when I taste that's it. That's how I described the Sword Iron Swan Ale. I was like, this is Bud Light with hops. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, I mean, I feel like they really wanted this. I feel like this is what I would have probably done if I was, like, brewing a few times over. And then I was like, all right, I really want to try to do something, like – a lot different, put in a lot of spices, and, like, this is probably what it would taste like. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really – I can't – I'm not going to say that the people at Rogue don't know what they're doing or anything. It's like, <laughs> it's like a solid beer. I can drink it or whatever, but it just – it doesn't – Just like, lack something. It, it seems like the complexity is forced, and it doesn't really come through for me. Yeah. You know? Okay, so for me, I can't get over – I'm going to say it again. I love the smell of this beer. It smells great. It smells so good. It's just sweet oatmeal flavors uh, coming through the aroma – and you just want that to carry through in the taste so bad, but really you don't. It's like the taste just falls flat on its face. You almost only get the f- taste of alcohol and like – Malt. I, I, I taste the malt. Yeah, that are like nuts. There's almost like a – not bitterness because of like hops, but just like – Not bitterness. There's something just like – that hangs in the back of my tongue that shouldn't be there. So yeah, I think it's nuttiness maybe. Yeah, so beautiful color for what it is and how easy it is to drink. I'm going to say this is a good beer. I'm going to give it a 7. I'm going to give it a 7, too. All right. That's, that was what I was going to was going to give it. I, I'm not blown away by it in any way, but I could definitely drink it. Right. All right. Well, that's all we have. Um, this has been Witty Banner, episode 16. Look for us maybe coming up in the next few days, depending on what we end up doing this week. But if not, we'll be posting every week again, and we're so excited to be back. So, yeah, I guess that concludes our show, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Have a good week.